Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources in how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Hope you've been enjoying the show. Off the top, I'd like to thank a few listeners. I'd like to thank Drew Anderson in Los Angeles. Thanks, Drew. I'd like to thank Chris Beatty in Bellevue. Thanks for everything you do in our men's groups and thanks for listening and your support. And lastly, I'd like to thank Dr. Scott Tintle out in the DC area. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate your support. Men's groups, also known as men's wisdom circles. How do so few men know about the power of these groups? Personally, I owe so much of my development as a man to the men's groups I have participated in over the years. I feel that if every man had a group that got together on a regular basis, there would be a lot less depression and isolation among men, and there would be a lot less violence and misbehavior towards women. Men grow up in these circles, and they grow their emotional intelligence and their ability to listen and live from their hearts. It's astonishing to me that this is not known by more men. It's no secret. These groups are incredibly uplifting, inspiring, and renewing for men. One of the great gifts of men's groups is they create an environment where men can set their feet on their best path. These groups act as a base camp for the uncertain hero's journey. Now, what might you learn by being in a good men's group? Every man has a list. To give you an idea, here are five things that I have learned, among others, from my time inside of men's wisdom circles. Number one, men are courageous. This is something that is so important for men to know about themselves. Too many men live their lives in routine and comfort, and it can just suck the life out of you. One reason we do men's work is to help a man face himself, identify the blind spots that are holding him back, and find his unique hero's journey and contribution to the world. Number two, when it matters most, men can be trusted. In our society, men are taught to see each other as competition. We compete for jobs, status, mates, etc., etc. The men's groups run counter to this. The more I learn about the real, authentic you, the more I can relate and trust you. When you drop the bull and be real with other men, they'll have your back. I've seen it over and over again. Number three, collective male wisdom is alive and well. Men have met in circles and councils since the dawn of man. It's in our DNA. And it's unbelievably familiar to every man in the group. When men gather in groups, insights and possibilities arise that simply don't surface when you go it alone. Fourth thing I've learned in men's groups, you can handle honest feedback from men you trust. We are typically taught to avoid feedback as if it would shatter our fragile egos. To make matters worse, many of us receive feedback from our families and peers that may have been laden with shame and guilt. So we learned that feedback was bad and we needed to avoid it. In men's groups, we learn to give and receive clean feedback that accelerates growth. When feedback is given from the heart, men can hear it and work with it. The feedback can then be a catalyst for growth. And the fifth thing, life gets better. These groups act like a compass for men. It gives you a community that knows you, understands the challenges of manhood, and gives you many opportunities to grow your leadership. Challenges that were depleting your energy are transmuted inside these circles. The collective feel of the group is that this is making a big difference for me. In these groups, men can have a clear, fresh look at the issues that they find most troubling and difficult in an atmosphere that is supportive and provides creative direction and solutions to the challenges that so many men face.
My guest today definitely knows a thing or two about the power of men's groups. Dave Klaus is a speaker, writer, community leader, and criminal defense trial lawyer. He is a skilled facilitator of large and small groups and has owned these skills in his work with the Mankind Project and in nearly 40 jury trials. He is a senior supervisor in the office of the Alameda County Public Defender, as well as the leader of a large camp at Burning Man. That's kind of cool. He is an ordained priest with the Hollow Bones Zen Order with a daily meditation and Qigong practice. His passion is to empower others to find their way to a path of clarity, flexibility, open-hearted connection, and flow in the present moment. He graduated from Dartmouth College and University of Michigan Law School. Here is my interview with Dave Klaus. Enjoy. All right. Well, I'm here with Dave Klaus. And Dave, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It is great to have you on the show. I'm really excited to be here, Tony. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why don't we start, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you found your way into the men's movement? Well, that could span a lot of years, I guess. I mean, my background in a general way is I'm from the Midwest. I'm, I'm 50 years old or almost 51. I've been married for a long time. I got two teenagers. My daughter just graduated from high school, which is really, boy, talk about a swirl of emotions. That's been uh, everything from bliss and joy and pride to fear and anxiety and heartbreak and sad. I mean, boy, it's just got it all in there. Oh, but, yeah. um, but I'm a lawyer by trade. I'm a public defender attorney in Oakland, California, and I've been doing that for 23 years. So I, um, I do heavy-duty criminal defense cases, usually just really tragic, sad situations. That work, more than anything, is what brought me to MKP and to doing men's work. And the context was I initiated in June 2010. That was when I did my weekend. And I, I was having basically a meltdown, if not a breakdown, that year. It started with some physical stuff. I, had, I started to develop a chronic pain issue that basically made it so I, like, I couldn't work out. It was painful to just sit sometimes. I was just really, I was really uncomfortable. And I've always been a guy who was like very athletic and very physical. And it like, it rocked my world. I'll never forget this one time. Um, my son, who was about eight then or seven, he came in, he wanted to, he jumped on me, he wanted to wrestle with me. And I just was like winced in pain. And he was like, daddy, you can't do anything anymore. And I was just like, Oh man, that hurts. Yeah. So yeah. I, I started like heavily medicating, numbing out, drinking, smoking, just checking out, really checking out. I was miserable. I was really miserable. And it was in that context. I had a bunch of really good friends who had done the weekend and were like, you should really do this. This could really be helpful to you. And I still resisted and resisted and resisted. And finally, kind of somewhat half-assedly ended up on the weekend. It was like, I was a last minute add-on. I didn't think I was going to go. And then I did go. And then I just had this profound life-changing experience. Yeah. Yeah. So what changed? Like, did you get into group work after that and get into an I-group? And then like, what were the noticeable things that you said, wow, this is, this is different than before I did the weekend? I did get into an iGroup right away, and I'm still sitting in the same iGroup, actually, the regulators. That group's been together for, I think, 15 years, and I've been there about the last nine. Um, and of course, the personnel's changed here and there, but there's still some of us from the old days. How big is that group? Uh, it ranges. It's usually around 12 to 15 men. At one point, we got up to 25. It was like huge. And then it just, it sort of, you know, goes up and down. But what really changed for me was, um, I think, two things. The big thing was that I realized that I was not alone. 
in feeling what I was feeling. I remember there's a thing on the weekend where when somebody's speaking and if other men resonate with what they're saying, we raise our hands, say, yeah, I got that too, or I resonate or I hear that. And I remember telling about my experience of the winter and how hopeless and desperate I was feeling. And it was really hard to say that in front of a bunch of men. I've been taught not to do that you know, by culture, by family, by programming. And I look around the room and there's like a bunch of guys raising their hand. They were right there with me. That moment is probably the big moment of my weekend where I was like, I, it's not just me. There's nothing wrong with me that I'm feeling this way. And yeah. so the second big thing that came out of that was then going to iGroup and really starting to talk about what's inside of me and what's the truth that I had been hiding and sitting on for so long. Those are the two big things. That's great. I mean, we're so cultured as boys that if you open up and share what your fears are, what your challenges are, people will pull away from you is the message. But what you find in the men's work is actually it draws people towards you. It bonds people, bonds men when you share what's happening because we're all sharing the same transitions and some of the same challenges, obstacles, uh, health concerns, death of loved ones, uh, you know, divorce. Men go through all kinds of stuff. I have a good friend. I was in an I group like yours in New York for many, many years, the Warrior Dogs. And there was a man in there, Howard. He he says, you know, the men in your group, those are the men that'll carry your casket. You know, and I thought that's a beautiful way to describe it because really those are the men that know you the best. They know what your hero's journey's Mm -hmm. been. They know what challenges you faced and how you faced yourself. They really know your heart. And uh, I, I think that that alone is worth stepping into a men's group because men, a lot of men do not have enough deep male friendships, particularly when they get older. There's many men that I know that have one, you know, question mark, two question, you know, and that's one of the striking differences I see in the men's movement and and MKP and men that have done men's groups is they've got a really solid fabric of male camaraderie, brotherhood, where they can unpack whatever's going on with, you know, really good support and resonance in the room. I couldn't agree more. And, and, and the other piece of that is it flipped my understanding of leadership. In the past, I had really had this sense of, of a leader is supposed to be like strong and fearless and inspirational. And they're, they're, never, they're never worried. You're, you know, the, it was like I had this, you know, really, it sounds silly for me to say it now that way, but that was really the way I thought of it. And then when I got into these circles, I realized, wow, the real leadership is who's willing to really tell the truth, who is willing to really take a risk and open up their heart and share what's inside there with other men, some of whom they may not even know that well, right? And, and what that did for me was open up this whole world of um, writing and sharing my stuff on Facebook. I'm like, you know, I mean, people joke with me that I'm like the TMI guy on Facebook. But the truth is, I don't think it's too much information. I think I'm sharing what's really true and going on with me. And I get such an incredible feedback and resonance from people from my writing. And it's always that same thing. Wow, I thought I was the only one. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for that leadership. What a transformation. Absolutely. I had a similar thing with my model of leadership. Like we were trained the same way. Like I thought it was the kind of the alpha guy that had it all handled, had all the answers. And then I remember being in a training with Jim Mitchell. I don't know if you know Jim Mitchell or everything. Yeah, I do. Within five minutes, it's apparent that he's kind of got this inner power that's, you know, he, you're going to learn something from being in this circle yeah. with him. And he's such a truth teller. 
he's so vulnerable about what his struggles have been and who he is as a man that it just, you know, he's just the natural one that's leading. And because he's so authentic and he really understands men and the pain that we've experienced, I had the similar kind of thing like, oh, it's not the guy that's got it all figured out. It's the guy that can wear his heart on his sleeve and communicate that with other men. Yeah. So it's really beautiful. What, what's something that's good for men that you don't see them doing enough of? Telling the truth. I mm. don't see men telling the truth. And I, you know, and I can mean that on multiple levels. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to do politics, but obviously there's a real issues with truth telling in our politics right now. And it's corroding the foundations of our society. I think we're all losing, I'm losing my trust. I don't know who to trust. I don't know what sources to trust. I don't know what's yeah. real. And for me, it often can turn into paralysis and apathy when I'm in that because yeah. it's like I don't know which way to turn. But I really mean it on the deeper level. I mean, what's the classic guy thing? Hey, dude, how are you? How you doing? Oh, I'm great, man. I'm good. You know? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. well, what's going on? Well, I'm watching the Warriors game and then I'm doing this. And, and it's like it's this surface level of talk yeah. that really it doesn't mean anything. There's no, there's no, there's not even really an exchange of information. It's, it's right. like this kind of holding pattern, like, Hey, let's set up some boundaries here and we'll just hold to that. And it's such a arresting moment for me when I, well, I mean, it's always true when I read a warrior brother, but when I meet someone, other, another man and they're like, how are you? Or I say, how are you? And they're like, Oh, I'm great. And they're like, how are you? And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm struggling this week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really struggling. And then all of a sudden it's like, the mask drops and they're like, oh my God, I'm having the hardest time too. I'm having such a hard time. And then we have this, then we have a real conversation. What's yeah. really going on? And yeah. so what I'd like to see men do, like you said, lead with your heart on your sleeve, yeah. lead with the truth and trust that that can be held and that that's going to actually make it better. It's going to yeah. make it better to do that. Absolutely. So let's, let's model it. Let's, um, as a check-in, what have you got going on that's underneath the surface right now? Well, um, hmm. so yeah, right in this moment, I mean, first of all, I feel, I feel excited and joyful. I mean, I'm really glad to have this conversation with you and I'm glad that this conversation and the other conversations on your podcast, which, you know, I, yes, I'm pitching your podcast. Everybody should listen to the podcast. I've listened to all of the episodes and they're really great, really good stuff. And that brings me a lot of hope. Um, the other thing that's going on for me is a lot of fear. I've got a lot of fear this week, and even to the level I would say anxiety. Um, I'm I'm contemplating some changes in my life, like really shifting some stuff up, some of it pretty big. And I'm both thrilled and excited about that in the sense of like, I feel this aliveness and this energy and this encouragement. And then I'm also getting this ego kind of resistance, like, you should not change. <laughs> you should not take a risk. This is yeah. crazy. You're messing it up. You're going to blow everything. You're going to let yeah. down your family. You're going to let down your friend. It's just, man, really an onslaught of doubt and, and fear. And, uh, and for me, it's like a really uncomfortable, like a really uncomfortable thing in my skin. If we were in a circle right now, my hand would be up, by the way. Because so, <laughs> I've, yeah, well, I've got a similar check-in in that this show is going really good. I got this opportunity to do this show and it's getting this momentum, but what comes with it is a ton of fear. You know, I'm mm -hmm. being asked to give talks to bigger groups of people. And so my fear level day to day on a scale of one to 10 is like an eight or a nine. I feel like I'm really out of my comfort zone on a day to day basis. Mm -hmm. 
And along with the fear is a little bit what you said. I feel like there's that old voice that says, well, if anybody could screw this up, it's you, Tony. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, you'll screw something up, you know, like yeah. it's kind of, you know, a little bit of shame, a little bit of like, is this really going the way I want it to go here? This is really exciting, but mixed in with the excitement is definitely fear and a touch mm -hmm. of self-doubt of like, can I manage all these things that are being asked of me? And I've said before, like yeah. each chapter of your hero's journey is going to require a different version of yourself. And I'm feeling me moving into the new version. And it's a little scary. You know, the old, the old version of me is like, not so fast, you know, slow it down, but it's got this kind of momentum that's generating excitement, but also a lot of fear in me. So I'm in with that. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Your fear is welcome with me. And, um, you know, what came up for me when you were saying that too was, uh, which surprises people when I say this, but I have a heavy duty imposter syndrome experience, you know, and, and, and it's, it surprises people because I'm, you know, I'm pretty accomplished person. Um, I do a lot of stuff. I've had a lot of success and I'm very good at my work. And yet still I'm 25 years into being a lawyer and man, I feel un uh, unsure of myself a lot of the time. I'm going to blow it. And then everybody's going to know that I really don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and I'm going to look bad. I'm going to let people down. That's such an old story, or I guess an old voice. I recognize it as an old voice. And yet when it's, when it's barking, it's, it's completely convincing. Yeah, I get that. Um, what is collectively for men and for humanity, what do you see as the greatest challenge? It's a really big question, but from your heart space, like, what is the challenge we're facing and how do men address it? For me, it's in these conversations, but I'm curious about what, what you see. What is the obstacle right now that's before us? Well, we've already talked about, the, I think, the big one, which is loneliness. Loneliness and isolation. Maybe identify that because I'm projecting because that's, you know, when I, get, when I get into my dark spaces, that's what I feel. I feel yeah. really alone and isolated and, and at risk. But I also see that on a widespread level. And, you know, the literature is just replete with how many people, how many men are experiencing this. The suicide level of men is through the roof. And, and especially, um, and I don't say this with any victimhood at all, but in the Me Too era, you know, it's gotten very complicated to sure. be a man. And I'm 100% in support of the Me Too movement and the revelations that have come out of that. And it's been hugely impactful on me and my behavior as a man. And boy, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard, I think, to navigate those waters right now. What do Absolutely. I say? What do I not say? How do I apologize for things? You yeah. know, and this is the fact of that, how much truth can I tell question? I think that's a real factor, loneliness. And the other one for me is accountability. Like mm -hmm. I really think, and this goes with that truth telling piece is I really think men are not willing to get uncomfortable. We feel uncomfortable, and we and I feel uncomfortable. Like I said earlier, with the fear and the and the sadness, my daughter leaving. But there's a part of me that always wants to cut that off and go yep. have a beer or totally. watch Netflix yep. or get on the internet or look at Facebook. I mean, I got plenty of distractions that totally. that I go to, yep. and it's like it's like. I don't even want to fear. I don't want to feel that discomfort for even like one minute. Like okay. I just want. It's like go make it stop. And I'm so prone to it that I, I see it a lot. My question is, what does it take for men to really build that resilience to get uncomfortable? Like yeah. to say it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay yeah. to really feel it. And that's that moment 
when it's great to go talk to somebody else, to share that, get support, to say, brother, I need some help, man. I'm, yeah. I'm hurting right now. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, and, and I think a lot of men, they are uncomfortable. They're just not acknowledging that they're uncomfortable. They're hitting a midlife crisis. Something's happening. Their daughter's going off to college. I mean, they're dealing with really emotional issues. And there is a discomfort around just keeping it to yourself and repressing it and not talking about it or just getting really mad once in a while at your wife for no, you know, you can't figure out why you're so upset, but it's all these other things that you haven't unpacked. So for me, collectively, what I see is, and I agree with everything you say, that's beautifully put. I, I think that as men, we need to arrive where we can really be in our hearts. The heart space mm-hmm. for men is waiting for us as a tribe to express. Mm-hmm. I think it's never more important now with all of the ego and the backbiting and the it's my side, it's this side. I think heart resonance and how we learn from each other how to do that will create more leaders that speak from the heart. And we'll create some of the solutions to what has been a head problem, what we've done with the planet. There's a lot of, a lot of head stuff and ego stuff that our corrupt systems kind of reflect. And even the planet's kind of creaking over you know, the industries and stuff that are old paradigm. And I think as we start to get more heart-centered with one another, there's hope that we can evolve some new structures and some new solutions to the problem. Our creativity is in the evolving consciousness, which to me points right back to the heart. I think the heart simplifies where we can go. It doesn't have to be super complicated. Learning as men to speak from our hearts with one another and get used to that level of honesty and openness is going to go a long ways, I think, in the next you know, 50 years, 100 years, whatever it may be. So, And I talk about this with my son. It's funny that you said you've got all these different powerful emotions with your daughter leaving. Um, I have a 12-year-old son, and I'm already kind of fearful of him leaving the house. I'm feeling pride, like he's going to be so ready. His name's Lucas. I joked with him, and I said, when you leave for college, I think I'm going to get a golden retriever and name him Lucas, you know, is what I said. And he laughed. He thought that was hilarious. And he goes, would you really do that? I said, well, I'm thinking of getting a dog to ease the kind of, you know, you you have a certain energy that I'm used to. I go, I won't name him Lucas. I go, but I am thinking about getting a dog just because there's going to be a void when you leave. It's going to be really hard for your mom and I. And we're already kind of feeling that transition, even though it's, you know, six years off. But my son's 15. And he's a uh, freshman in high school. And today was his last day of freshman year of high school. And so we're having breakfast. And I looked at him and I was like, I started to say, how are you feeling on your last day? And I just like burst into tears. (laughs) I was like so overcome with feeling about, I mean, it was was sadness, but it was like you said, it was a sadness and pride and change. And uh, really was, it surprised me because I'm, I'm pretty emotional, but I'm, I'm not necessarily that prone to tears. I'm, I'm still right. working on that. I'm working on that in my life. But boy, it came right up there in that moment. <laughs> That's beautiful. That must have been really great for your son to be able to see you just being, you know, really honest about what it was for you. Overwhelming because he's probably feeling a little bit of, you know, I remember feeling overwhelmed at that young age, moving from transition to transition, but nobody was really saying anything mm-hmm. honest about it. Just like, oh, you're getting to be so old and you're getting, you know, so that's great. That's great. So, and you're doing, you're doing a lot of writing. You're doing a lot of writing for uh, the On Purpose newsletter, right? Are you putting some writing together for yourself? Are you, do we got a book coming out? Well, uh, yeah, funny you should ask. I mean, uh, that's definitely my goal. So I was, uh, I'm really honored to take over the MKP Mankind Project On Purpose newsletter, which is a 
twice a month newsletter that comes out. And Matt Kelly was the was on it before, and Chris Kyle is another dear friend of mine started it. And um, so yeah, I'm writing these very personal essays uh, twice a month and sending them out to about it's about four thousand people so far. And if you're out there, please subscribe because it's free and it's awesome. And I uh, trust me, you only get two emails a month and no ads. <laughs> but uh, you know, I write about a I write about a you know, like an eight or nine minute read. And it's always something that's going on for me, some challenge I'm having or some insight I'm having. And it's been really lovely to do it. And the best part actually is I get these emails back. So, you know, at the end of every email, I'm inviting, hey, so what's what's up for you or how's this going? And I'm getting 20, 30 emails, a post from it back and uh, and having these conversations with uh, men and and actually a few women, because um, yeah. it's open to women too, but uh, having conversations with people all over the country. That's great. And it's, and it's so much of that feeling of like, hey, thank you for saying this, because I feel this too. Yeah. And what a mutual benefit it is, because now I feel less alone, they feel less alone. Absolutely. We've made a connection across the country. It's exactly this living in the heart space that you're talking about. And um, I love it. I feel really honored to do that. And then, so my theory is, I'm writing twice a month, and- yeah. You know, by the end of the year, I'll have about 26 of these pieces, and I'm just yeah. going to start putting it together in a book, and that's, that's what it's going to be. You're a really good writer. I've read the newsletter. It's really good. So I, the book will be fantastic, and we'll definitely will have you on back on as you get closer to that. So oh, uh, thanks. Keep, keep with the writing. It's going to be fantastic, and we'll, we'll talk about it here. How do people subscribe to the On Purpose newsletter? How do they go do that? Mankindproject.org. There's a sign-up on there for the On Purpose newsletter. Dave, thank you so much for being on. This was great. I loved, uh, this was the first time we did kind of a check-in as we do in the men's groups. That was really fun. I, I really appreciate you being game and open to that. And tons of insights. Thank you for all the work you're doing on behalf of men. Thank you for putting out that great writing in the newsletter. We'll have you back again. This was awesome. And uh, have a happy Father's Day. Yeah, thank you so much, Tony. I really appreciate it. This has been, this has been wonderful. Thank you for the work you're doing. I really love speaking with Dave. I feel like him and I could be good friends. It was the first time we did a check-in like we do in our men's groups, and the whole interview had a kind of men's group sort of feel to it, which is really appropriate for this episode. And I love what Dave said that one of the things he'd like to see more from men is this willingness to be uncomfortable. I agree. If men are willing to step into new environments for learning, such as doing a men's weekend or these groups that we run, it grows their capacity to sit and be present with what is uncomfortable in life. And this will always lead to growth and new insights. And go subscribe to the On Purpose newsletter. It's really great. It's at mkpusa.org slash news. Dave is a really good writer. And if these topics interest you, you will find this newsletter refreshing in its authenticity. And lastly, I hope all you dads had a relaxing Father's Day. I know I did. Thank you for all that you do to bring forth a new generation with love, heart, and commitment. Thank you, men. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac and you're listening to Basecamp for Men.